Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. I do want to start out today by kind of picking your brain a little bit, because if you think back on your childhood, one thing that we're all guilty of, one thing that we've all done at some point in our life is we have tried to imitate people. We've tried to copy people. We've tried to probably be something we're not. Maybe you can look back on your childhood and you can see that you tried to imitate a parent. Maybe you tried to imitate a a teacher or a coach. Or maybe you tried to imitate a sibling. How many of you remember the commercial from probably the mid-90s? It was a Gatorade commercial. Like Mike, if I could be like Mike. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? That was me. And look, I did a pretty good job. (laughs) Minus a foot, you know, a foot and a half, whatever. But I can remember as a child, as a teenager even, I'm really, I'm really laying it out because you think, well, that, that's so cute. You were like 11 and 12. No, I wasn't. I was like 16 and 17, and I was still hoping. But back then, I had a stack of VHS tapes that stayed on top of our VCR at home. One was Michael Jordan's Playground. One was Michael Jordan's Come Fly With Me. And another one was Michael Jordan. It was called Airtime. And I remember I would get those VHS tapes and I would put those in and I would sit there for hours and hours just watching this highlight reel of Michael Jordan. So then all of a sudden, you know, my poor little mind, I thought I can do that. And I did when I lowered the goal to about eight and a half, nine foot. And I would go out and for hours would try to imitate and mimic all of the things that that Michael Jordan did. Because I thought if I tried hard enough, I could be just like Mike. And so I would spend hours upon hours of doing this and imitating. You know, there's all of us in the room that we've spent hours and hours trying to imitate those around us. You see, that's exactly what Paul is gonna talk about today. He's gonna talk about imitating. And that's where we're gonna start out. And if you got your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. (laughs) Joel, I love you. Yes, praise God. Did y'all hear that? If you missed last week, yes, I hear pages turning. I had more people come by me in the lobby last Sunday. I've got my Bible. I've got my Bible. So if you weren't here last Sunday, we encourage you to bring a hard copy of God's word um, to God's house and to reiterate, um, as we shared last week, if you don't have one, you can say, well, Brian, I don't have a hard copy of God's word. We've bought one for you. You go to guest services. We've got a few left. They, a lot got gone last week. Um, And so I'm thankful that people wanted the word and we are buying you the word. And so if you don't have one, 
Come get it until supplies last. And then if you don't have one, give us a phone number, a name, and we will make sure um, that you get one. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 6 through 10 today. So I want you to just go ahead and jump in and read these five verses with me. It says, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Verse seven, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place that your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception that we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and a true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Now, keep in mind, if you weren't here last week, the first five verses Paul is writing this church and he's simply telling them, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. They're being persecuted. They're being, they're being picked at. They're being mocked. But Paul says, hey, I just wanna thank you for all that I'm hearing that you're doing. And then he goes on to, to explain that. I'm continuing to see faith and I'm continuing to see hope and love. So thank you so much for what you're doing in spite of your persecution. But then all of a sudden, Paul goes on. He's not finished thanking them. So the next thing that he thanks them for is for being an imitator of us and of the Lord. Now, if you know anything about Paul, you know this is kind of very common language that Paul uses. We see it several different times. In 1 Corinthians chapter four, we read that, that Paul talks about that. Be an imitator of me. Then he talks about it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Be imitators of me as I imitate the Lord. Now, if you're anything like me, you can read that and you can think, well, golly, that sounds awful arrogant. That Paul is saying, hey, you just, you just walk like me and you'll walk like Jesus. What you have to keep in mind is that every word that Paul penned was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. So everything that Paul did in his life was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. So what I want you to keep in mind before we move any further, before you dislike Paul, is to realize that his confidence was not in what he was doing. His confidence was in the power of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit was doing in him. So his confidence is not in how he walked, how he talked. He just knew that the Holy Spirit of God was leading him and he's saying, I have confidence enough to know that don't, don't even think that this is about me, but it's about the power of the Holy Spirit at work in me. And so that is how Paul is able to say, you imitate me because like he said in 1 Corinthians 11, because I imitate Christ. And so we see that we, we gotta make sure that we understand that, that his confidence was not in him, but his confidence was in the Holy Spirit of God. And he knew if these believers would imitate him, that they would ultimately be imitating that of Jesus. Now, specifically talking, what he's, what he's mentioning here is he is so proud of the way that they're responding to tribulation. He's so proud of the way that they're responding to persecution. And so Paul is saying, you're responding like me, meaning that even in spite of persecution, you're just keeping your hands to the plow. 
You're doing what God has called you to do. So he's specifically talking about how they're responding under the pressure. He said, I'm so proud of you for staying strong. You've seen me do it. And the reason that I'm doing is because I am seeing the example and what I know about what Jesus did in spite of persecution. Jesus stayed faithful to his calling. Jesus stayed faithful to what God had sent him to do. Now, when we talk about that word imitate, that, that word could be described into several different ways. If you were to say you were imitating someone, you could say that you were a follower of someone. The one that I really, that kind of jumped out to me was that to imitate someone is to mimic someone, to copy them. Now, parents, here's where I'm gonna kind of get on us. I say us because I'm one to like a small football team. But when we talk about mimicking, when we think about being a parent, I wanna encourage you, watch your child. You all watch your children. And as you watch your children, you're gonna notice that they, they will tend to kind of, in, in, at an early age, now when they get older, they're too cool, but you know, they wanna have the same haircut you have. They wanna wear some of the same clothes that you do. And then when you watch them, stand back and just watch them walk. You ever notice that they'll end up walking like you do? Like literally, you will see their mannerisms be that of you. You will see them copy you. The way they pronounce words, the way they talk, they will copy you. If you listen to my little country kids, you can say, yep, that's their daddy. Because we hear that all of that mimicking and, and you know, at, at some point we all can sit back and we can think, oh, how cute is that? That's just so sweet that they do that. I wanna encourage you. Keep watching them. Keep watching them. What you're gonna witness is I hope some of the things, same things that I witness and I see them mimic me and I'm like, oh no. Oh no. That's something I don't want them to mimic. Maybe it's the way that we respond in anger. Maybe it's the way that we, we talk to our spouse Maybe it's the way that we treat other people. Or maybe it's even some of the, the secret habits that we have that we think nobody else knows about. Can I tell you, your child knows about it. They watch everything you do. And so when we look at our children, we see that they want to mimic us. We see that they wanna copy us. And yes, some things are cute, but some things ought to absolutely scare us to death. And I know for me, as I thought about that, that was one of the most convicting things because as I was alone and praying on Tuesday and asking God to, to speak to me through this word, he was speaking very clearly that there's a lot of things that I know my kids do that I don't want them doing, but they're doing what I've done. They're doing what they've seen their daddy do. And I know that that, for some of us, can, can be a painful thought. You know, but what we read about in this scripture is, is that mimicking being reproduced, is that cycle of, of being reproduced. 
just over and over and over again. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about. And it's so neat. I heard one pastor talk about this week and he talked about in the first in this first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, what you really see is this, a gospel cycle. You see a gospel cycle that is being reproduced through Paul and how Paul is living and the example that he is leading in front of people. And I want you to, you can go back in your own time and you can specifically look at verses five through 10 and you can kind of pick out this gospel cycle. It's all embedded But the very first thing that I wanna point out is is number one, that that Paul lived out the faith. We read that in verse five, because he says, I proved to be. It is proved to be. So we see number one, that that he lived it out. Number two, that we hear in verse five again, that not only did he live it out, but he shared the gospel. He told them about the good news. So he didn't just live it, he talked about it. But then in verse three, we see that the people of Thessalonica In verse six, it talks about that they received it. So here Paul lived it, Paul talked about it, they received it, and now we watch the process start over. Verse six, he tells them, I'm thankful that you've imitated us. You are now living it out. I've lived it out, I showed you, I talked about it, I brought you the gospel and you received it, but now you're doing the same thing. You're now living it out. And we see there that in verse seven, I think it is that, no, verse eight, that now they're sharing the gospel. It said that the word went forth from you. So now they're too talking about it. And then lastly, we see that Paul thanks them in verse seven for being the example, for living it out. So we see this gospel cycle or we see this this model of discipleship that is just being reproduced. And Paul is simply saying, thank you that you are following the example that we have put for you. We've lived it out. We've talked about it. You've received it. Now you're living it out. You're talking about it and you're practicing. So we see this gospel cycle just continue to move forward. And because of that, we see that it didn't stop just in the city of Thessalonica. It went out into Macedonia. It went out into Achaia. It went out because they were being obedient. They were reproducing this gospel cycle. And so Paul is so thankful for that. He's over the moon that it is being reproduced. Now, there's probably a thought in a lot of our minds today because When we think about mimicking, we think about as our children mimic us, as they copy us, there's probably something in there that you're like, oh no, I don't want them to do that. What I wanna kind of do is sort of ease your burden just a little bit, but you'll see where this is going in just a minute. As your children mimic you, I wanna kind of set you free for just a little while and then we'll come back to it. The reality is, is your children are mimicking you and for a lot of us, they're mimicking us because we're mimicking who led us. You can look back in your life and, and you're a product of how you were raised. You were a product of who you were following. And I know for some of you, you're going, well, you know what, Ryan? Well, that's really not fair for my kids. That's really not fair because the way I was raised, we didn't didn't go to church. There was abuse in my home. 
I lived in a house full of, of addicts. Shoot, Brian, I don't even know who my parents were. So I'm mimicking what I saw and now my children are mimicking me and that's not good. That's scary. So, so Brian, that's really not fair. But what I want us to do is I want us to look at the example of Paul who used to be Saul. Because what we see is that Saul was not a product of his raising. Saul was not mimicking. He was mimicking until God showed up, but he was mimicking how he was raised. And I want you to turn to the book of Galatians. Go back just a few pages, Galatians chapter one. And I want us to look at exactly what I'm talking about. Because what you're gonna realize is that the life that Paul is now living, the, the gospel that Paul is now preaching, is not a product of his raising. It is not what was taught to him. It was not what was poured into him. It was not what was instilled into him. And so we read in Galatians chapter one, and I want you to read verse 13 and 14. This is Paul sharing his testimony. He says, for you have, been, have, you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, listen to this, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Do you understand the weight of what he just said? I was, not only, I was not only living out how I was raised, but I was excited about it. I was excited, I was zealous. I had a lot of energy that I was pouring into persecuting the church because it was the way that I was raised. And for a time, Saul at the moment was stuck in a vicious cycle of reproducing how he was raised. And the way he was raised was to persecute the church. The way he was raised was to stop the advancement of the gospel. That's what had been poured into him. And not only was he living it out, but according to what he said there, he, he kind of enjoyed doing it. He was excited. He had a lot of energy to live out this, this family tradition. Many of you just thought of a Hank Williams Jr. song, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I was walking around the camper the other day singing it, and I was like, oh, God, that's, Hank, why do you drink? Hank, yeah, I didn't. So anyway, let's move on. But you know what I was thinking about is, it's, it talked about him being extremely zealous. He had a lot of energy to live out the way he had been raised. So according to what he is sharing with him, he had no intentions of changing. He had no intentions of changing his course he had no intentions of changing his path. You know, I wonder how many people are in this room today that you can say, you know what, I'm, I'm Saul. I'm living in a vicious cycle. I'm a product of the way that I was raised and now my children are a product of the way that I'm raising them in reflection to how I was raised. And you may be here today and you may think, man, you know what, but I like it. I like it, I'm comfortable in it. I'm okay. I don't really have any intentions on changing and the little guy up there in the pink shirt sure ain't gonna tell me that I need to change. That's not what I'm here for. 
I'm not here to tell you to change. You see, nobody was really in Saul's life at the time that was telling him to change. And you may be here today and you may be stuck in that rut. You may be stuck in that vicious cycle with no desire to change. You see, Saul was on the road to Damascus. And not only was he just out for a walk, but he was going to do what he loved doing, to persecute Christians. He had no intentions of changing. It was not even on his radar. But aren't you thankful that so many times it doesn't matter what your course is, it doesn't matter where you're headed, God has different plans. So you may be here this morning and you may say, I have no desire to change. That's okay. I am here to tell you that God has different plans and that God will trump your plans in a quick minute. We see it happen. Galatians chapter one, verse 15 through 16. Look at what it said. Now keep in mind, he's on a journey to persecute the church. He's on a journey and excited about it. He's living in the world. He's he's wanting to stop the gospel. But look at verse 15, but when God. We just need to stop right there. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul is saying, you know what? I was content living the way I was living. I was content following through with the way that I was raised. But when God showed up, it changed everything. I wasn't even looking for God that day. Actually, I was on a road to stop his name from being made famous. But when God showed up, he completely changed who I am. He completely changed my life. How many of you remember in this room, how many of you remember that but when God moment? How many can remember that but when God? And I think if we're all real honest, we didn't set out that day to change things. We didn't set out that day to change a course of action in our life. Matter of fact, many of us were living in the very sin that God saved us from. We were comfortable in it. We were happy there. And then all of a sudden, God shows up on the scene and changes everything. Turns everything upside down. And we can all remember those but when God moments. You know, I can think back to my childhood and I can remember, and many of you know my story, my testimony of, of living in a home of an alcoholic and how it was some of the darkest days of my life, but praise God, my dad was delivered from his alcoholism before he went home to be with the Lord. So I thank God for that. But I can remember going back and I can remember being in in doctor's offices as a little child and as doctors would begin to ask questions and My mom would share things about my family and she would share the struggles that were on at home with my dad's alcoholism. And then the more we talked, we realized, you know what? There's there's grandparents that are alcoholics. There's great grandparents that are alcoholics. There's a whole line of alcoholism in these guys' family, talking about me and my brother. And I can remember my doctor, he said, you know what? 
He told my mom, he said, Kathy, he said, when these two boys were born, he said, they should have sounded the alarm. He said, because these two boys better be careful. They better be careful because it's in their blood. They, they, they're gonna have obsessive personalities. Now I have an obsessive personality, but praise God, it's not with alcohol now. But I can remember, I can remember as that child and hearing that doctor say the warning flag should have been waved for these two boys because they're headed for trouble because of their life, because of who's raised them, not who's raised them, but who has led them, paved the way for them. But I stand before you today because of a but when God moment. Because God had different plans. And I can remember I was saved when I was 12 years old and I still didn't understand it all. But I can remember I was probably 17, 18 years old, right in the, the heart, right in the mud of, of alcoholism. My dad was the worst he had ever been. And I can remember being at one of my best friend's house and his uncle by the name of Lowry Robinson, he was at the time a professional baseball player. He, we were standing in the backyard and Lowry motioned for me to come over. I didn't really know him, but he knew my story. He knew what I was living in because the house I was at that moment was really like my safe place. It was somewhere I could get out of it. I could get away from home. And Lowry put his arm around me and he said, Brian, I want you to know I've been praying for you. I said, oh, you know, that's always kind of that slap in the face. Is there something I need to know? He said, I've been praying for you. And I said, okay, well, thank you, Lowry, but what have you been praying? He said, I've been praying that the cycle stops with you. I've been praying that the cycle stops with you. And can I tell you in that moment, I was so convicted by the Holy Spirit that I said, yeah. I don't have it in me to do it, but I can trust God. I can lean on him to be my strength. I can lean on him to stop this cycle. But I would pose the question this morning, what cycle are you stuck in that needs to be stopped? What cycle are you reproducing in your children that needs to stop with you? And what I'll say second is, here's what I wanna tell you. I wanna free you of the burden of it. You don't have the power to stop it. You don't have the power to stop this cycle that you're stuck in. But one thing that I can encourage you to do is you can lean on Jesus and the blood of the lamb can stop that cycle in your life but you've got to be willing to step into that relationship with him and trust him with it. But what cycle are you stuck in that needs to end with you? Where are you at in your journey where this, stop, this cycle has got to stop? Your child's future relies on you and your strength to stop this cycle. What is the cycle? 
You say, well, Brian, I, I'm always angry because it's the way I saw my dad raise me. Well, Brian, I'm an alcoholic too because that's what I grew up in. Brian, I abused my spouse verbally, emotionally, physically because it's all I've ever seen done. Brian, I take advantage of people because I've watched my dad or my grandfather as a businessman do it his whole life. Here's what I wanna tell you this morning. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming the way that you are now on the way that you were brought up because that's the very thing that Jesus stepped in the middle for. And he said, look, I'm gonna stop the cycle for you, but you've just gotta trust me with it. And for you that are stuck in that, that cycle, your family depends on you to break it. And notice, remember when I said, you can't do it, but you gotta trust that Jesus can. You gotta trust that Jesus already has. And the reality is, is a relationship with Jesus is the only place you can start. A relationship with Jesus is the only place you can start. To break the cycle has to start with him. And we read that in verse five from last week in 1 Thessalonians. We see where the gospel changes things for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You see, the gospel inside of me gave me the strength to change that cycle because of conviction. And I know for me, as a 16, 17 year old boy, that I had to avoid alcohol at all costs. I had to, I didn't have a choice because it would have got me. But praise be unto God, because of the Holy Spirit convicting me, I stand before you 44 years old, have never taken a sip of alcohol because the Holy Spirit convicted me that you can't do it because of what is in your past, because of the way you were raised, you can't afford to take a chance. You can't afford to take a chance. But you know, there's somebody here today that you need to step into this relationship with Jesus to stop the cycle. You need to step in this relationship. You may have walked in this morning. You really don't even want to be here. You didn't come in ready to change your life. You didn't come in here thinking, you know what? I'm just going to go to church and get my act together. Truthfully, you're ready for me to be quiet. You're ready to get home so you can check church off the list for this week. But what I am praying, I have prayed for you all week that today was your butt win God moment. That when you showed up, the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of you and invited you into that relationship with him. And therefore, you don't have the power to get out of this place without trusting him. And without saying, Brian, I don't even understand it. But I know that it's, it's on me to stop this cycle and I can't do it. But you're telling me that this man named Jesus can give me the strength to overcome it. Yes, I am.
Yes, I am. So maybe you're here this morning and you need to step in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's essentially what Paul's talking about in verse nine. There at the end of chapter one, if you go about halfway down that verse, he says, and what he's talking about is he's thankful that you've turned to God from idols to serve a living and a true God. You've turned You've turned to God from these idols. You see, the reality is, is the church doesn't talk about this turning part a lot anymore. We wanna say, you know what? You can ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You can ask Jesus to save you so you can have your fire insurance and you can know where you're going to heaven. But the reality is the scripture tells us that we've got to repent and turn to God, which means we've got to quit chasing all of the old and we've got to turn and face the new. We've got to turn our back on our past. We've got to turn our back on addiction. We've got to turn our back on how we were raised and just turn and look to Jesus. We've got to repent. We don't like to talk about that because that doesn't make Christianity so easy. But we live in a world where the gospel's preached that we can have our cake and eat it too. But what I know about Jesus is that we fully understand what he did and the sacrifice that he made for us. We don't want to live that way anymore because there's a new spirit living in us, that there's new desire, there's a new heartbeat, there's a new direction. And what we're called to do is imitate him instead of imitating how we were raised. But I wonder if there's somebody here this morning that would say, Brian, that's me. I've got to turn today. I've got to turn today and and the enemy's gonna tell you that, that there's too much here to turn from. The enemy's gonna tell you that your, your past is too layered, that there's entirely too much baggage for you to let go. What I wanna encourage you to do is just try. Try Jesus. Leave the mess behind. Turn from the idols and turn to the cross. Turn to Jesus, step into that relationship with him. Or maybe you can look back on your past and you say, well, Brian, I know I've trusted Jesus. Here's the question that I wanna pose to the believers in the room. Where have you dropped the ball in this cycle? Where have you dropped the ball in this reproducing the gospel Yeah, maybe you've received the gospel, you're a follower of Christ, but maybe, maybe you're not living it out in front of your family. Maybe you're not living it out in front of your coworkers. Maybe you're not living it out in your schools. So if you drop the ball by the way that you're living it out, or have you dropped the ball and not sharing? Have you dropped the ball and not sharing the gospel and not promoting the transformation that's happened to you in the, by the blood of Christ? Are we dropping the ball and telling people of the good news? Because you know, for me, that's probably one of the, the toughest things I do because I can check it off in my box. Well, you know what? I stood on the stage Sunday morning and I preached the gospel. 
It's easy in here. It's easy in here, but you let the Holy Spirit start knocking on your heart's door for the waiter at Waffle House. You say, well, you're a pastor, that's it. It never gets easy. It never gets easy. So are we dropping the ball when it comes to sharing our faith? Are we dropping the ball when it comes to to living out our faith? Now I know we can examine our hearts, we can examine our lives according to this. And the truth is, is if we're all real honest, we've all dropped the ball. We've all dropped the ball in those categories. But I'm here to tell you today, but when God, but when God shows up, he changes everything. Maybe you've not been bold enough to share your faith, but when God. Maybe the testimony that you're living out, maybe you're kind of that, that, that um, what's that lizard that changes colors? Chameleon. Maybe that's you at work and you just become who you are in your surroundings and you're saying, well, Brian, I can't stand out at work. I can't do this, but when God I remember the cheesiest analogy and y'all gonna laugh at me, but it is stuck in my mind and it is stuck in a bunch of teenagers' mind. But this was right when I first stepped into ministry. I was asked to speak at an FCA. I was like, I don't even know what to speak to an FCA. And y'all all know I'm a deer hunter. And so God took me to the woods. And I remember one day I was sitting in the woods and, and I heard something coming. And so I was like, yeah, <laughs> we're about to be victorious. So I propped the gun on the front of the stand and I just kept hearing it getting closer and closer and closer. And as I was getting ready and I'm just kind of breaking all the gun rules, I went ahead and flipped the safety off. I had not even seen it yet. Finger on the trigger, I'm ready to go. And then all of a sudden, I saw this big, bright orange vest walking through the woods and immediately put the gun down. But you know what? In that teachable moment, I was only probably 19 years old, but God convicted me, said, Brian, is that what people are seeing in you? Are they seeing that when you step on the scene, there's something obviously different about you? Because the reality is if that guy would have not had on orange, he would have had on camouflage and he would have blended in with everything around him. As a follower of Jesus Christ, how many of us go to work every day wearing camouflage? We go in and the goal is to blend in. We don't wanna make a scene. Can I tell you that God has called us to a different place than that? Some of you need to pray when you get up and go into your workplace in the morning, God, give me the courage to put on my orange vest. God, give me the courage to look different. God, give me the courage to talk different. The enemy's gonna tell you, you can't. And I want you to look at the enemy and you say, you know what? I can't do it, but when God, 
but when God. And so this morning, I got two questions in response. Number one, as a follower of Christ, as a believer, where have you dropped the ball in the cycle? Where have you dropped the ball in the cycle? And as the Holy Spirit convicts you of that, just repent and ask him to give you courage to get up and get back at what he's called you to do. Or the second question is, how many of you need to step into this relationship with Jesus? How many of you are stuck in this cycle that's not good? How many are stuck in this cycle that if your children reproduce, if they mimic how you're living, it's not gonna end so well. And if you need to step in that relationship with him today, I don't have the ability to invite you in, but the Holy Spirit does. And if he's inviting you in this morning, respond. Don't ignore the knocking on your heart's door today. And you fall on your face and say, Jesus, I need you to give me the strength to break this cycle. So how will you respond today? Do you need to step in the relationship with him? Or as a believer, do you need to repent from where you've dropped the ball in the cycle? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next time.